It's time once again, I sound like some kind of game show host, for the Hole in My Heart Ministries podcast with Matt and Lori Creed. Welcome. Hey, thank you, and come on down. Hey. You're the next contestant. <laughs> and we do have a next contestant, which is actually producer Steve. Oh, so we're going to wow. swing it right back down Surprise. to you to hear yes. your story today on episode five of the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And the reason I emphasize that word how is because we want to look at people's real stories and real lives and explain, okay, Jesus, how how are we following you mm. in this thing we call life? And I'm stoked to hear it in Steve's story, <laughs> huh? Alliteration? Nice. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Illiterate Lori. Oh, <laughs> literate Lori, not illiterate Lori. No. Illiterate Lori. There's a difference. Yeah. Before the podcast began recording, we were talking about our idiosyncrasies, which is coming up in the Goofball Island section. Mm. But first, we got to get a little bit serious, then we'll get a little bit goofy. <laughs> so the serious piece is the question of the week from this last week was concerning core needs. And we were talking about what is a core need that is especially speaking to you these days. So what's one that's like, yeah, when you look at the list, which we posted the list last week, um, you can find it on our himhministries.com site as well under the counseling section. Um, but what one is really speaking to you really loudly right now, Matt? Um, well, I would say a big one recently has been safety. Safety, huh? Yeah, not like physical safety, but just with a lot of transition and things happening and things up in the air, just to really take solace in the fact that God still has us. What's the mm. up in the air stuff? Well, people don't know this, but we're we're looking for office space mm -hmm. to, to call our own and the transition to move out of our old space or our current space and find a new space is, mm. is a big transition for us, given that we're smaller operation. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, to know that God is still holding us, God is calling us, and he's going before us is, is pretty important for me. Totally. Hmm. Steve, can you, I just emailed him the list to yeah. refresh his soul. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I really resonate with belonging, mm. the idea of belonging mm -hmm. and knowing that you're wanted in this group team or partnership or whatever it is. But yeah. um, just belonging, I think isn't necessarily something recent. I, I feel mm. like I can kind of see that woven uh, through a lot of my story, mm. um, just feeling kind of outside and mm. um, just not really part of yep. whatever it is, whether it's family or, right. you know, something yeah. like that. Feeling other. Yeah. I actually wrote that down for our podcast for next week is we're going to actually talk about othering and hmm. like times we have felt other and, um, ways we as a church can can become more one with one another. So thanks for that yeah. uh, preview for next week. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. A core need for me recently that's been uh, speaking rather loudly is the need for rest. Um, and I actually, I wrote a core need inventory that our small group took. And one of the questions on there like kind of wrecked me. Uh, and it was, when was the last time you have felt like soul rested? Like mm. your soul just was like did a sigh. And I've been thinking about that and thinking about it. And I'm like, man, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I was talking with some mentors, some people today, and I was just thinking about how um, I'm really pursuing that. And the way I'm doing it is not my default. And I'm doing it through just having fun. And I think because I'm uh, a driver and I really like to work on my own self, 
Um, sometimes when I'm working on me, I'm really critical of me in that process. Mm. And um, that doesn't really allow my soul the space to rest. And so I'm kind of, I'm taking off the, the self critique a little bit more and just trying to be like, Hey Lori, what do you want to do now? Um, and trying to have fun in that. So mm-hmm. tonight's date night. So I'm hoping we can do yeah. like something fun and maybe go to a playground or yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm all rested up. I mean, after a day of golfing yesterday, I was, I'm feeling pretty, pretty rested. So yeah, I was 10,000% jealous of you <laughs> golfing <laughs> as one of my daughters was sick. Oh, oh man. So, all right. Now is the time where we transition to goofball Island. Yay. Did we get like a weird background you know, noise? I probably should get some sound effects. We need some should. sort of like, Boy, oy, oy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Next time. Okay, next time. Okay. On that. So our, <laughs> thank you, Matt. Our question uh, for Goofball Island is, uh, so what are some of your idiosyncrasies? Um, I can start, actually. I have so many. It's a little bit sad because mm. uh, I've been thinking about this question for a few days and mm-hmm. Matt keeps adding more. Mm-hmm. Steve, I know your wife was texting yes. you several. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of mine have to do with touch. I uh, don't like metal my um like certain metals my sister always tells this story about when i was in high school and i would be going to bed and i had the lamp behind my head and i would say to angela who was in the room across from me when i wanted to go to bed Ange, she's like what like angela come here and she's like what do you need i'm like Ange, can you turn off my light every night i would do this (laughs) and every night angela would go Oh, Lori, <laughs> she'd come over behind my head after she had walked from yeah. her room across the hallway to turn off my likes. I didn't like the feeling of the metal. Hmm. Uh, so that's pretty bad. And also maybe a little lazy or a lot lazy. <laughs> um, there are many, many things. So you're saying you have a core really need touched. to be special. I have what? A you have a need? core need to be special and treated like a princess. Um, now I'm just feeling wounded and we're going to have to go to last week's episode. Talk through that. <laughs> All right. Who's next, Steve? You want to hit uh, a, sure. a few of the list? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, like you said, I was thinking about this today and I was like, I know I've got them. I just can't think. My wife could help me out. So I text her. You know, and she was like, oh, hmm, let me see. And just started firing off all these texts. So anyway, she reminded me that I don't think dessert is dessert unless there's chocolate involved. Amen. Um, oh, you got, okay. That'll Amen. be chocolate talk in a few episodes. Okay, huh? There okay. you go. She says you like the smell of bleach, but you never seem to be able to smell anything else, even if it's horrible smells. That's, I'll just leave that alone. That might be correlated right there yeah. if you're sniffing bleach or something. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't sniff bleach. I just, you know, if I come into a clean, recently clean, We have other place. things to talk about now, Steve. Um, is that a thing? I don't even no okay um (laughs) it's only a problem when you admit it all right (laughs) (laughs) no i'm pretty sure it's a problem even if you don't right right uh okay what did she say okay then the the sort of big one is the way i like to mispronounce words on purpose oh i like you know i'm i just like words like the sound of things Uh and so i will kind of like nudge kelly if somebody says like we were recently at uh church we're out of town and we heard uh, the pastor say hyperbole oh man hyperbole hyperbole which is that's just he's a reader you know i mean that's what it looks like if you're just reading it but yeah there are all kinds of words like that nuclear um i Mm -hmm. say library i'm going to the library 
Um, I, there's a bunch of them. So, yeah, I don't You're know. You're in the right I, business. He's a DJ, by the way. He's not just our producer. I, I Yeah, I just have an ear for stuff. That's great. So. Mm-hmm. I mispronounce things a lot because I only read them. So be prepared. So. All right, Matt, how about you? Well, it's a good thing that there's all these computers between us because um, the coaster that my coffee cup is sitting on is perfectly aligned with the seam between like the the vernier on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like to have things in order. Mm -hmm. So a little bit OCD. I was that person who alphabetized my movie collection and I will reorganize the dishwasher after pretty much anyone else puts anything in it because there's there's always more space. Okay. Yeah. Um, who is this someone else who does the dishwasher wrong and uh... I don't I don't know. Someone that I know is a very free-spirited, not logical, especially spatially logical mm. person. Yes. She won't be Those named Lori. Um, I was going to say, and also probably doesn't like touching certain metals. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so the silverware is all yeah. me. It's all me. When I use oven mitts to load the dishwasher, that's what you get. So you yeah. got a deal, hon. Yeah. Yeah, that, but for some reason, even though I like order in certain things, I'm comfortable leaving my shoes absolutely anywhere and everywhere, like under Lori's pillow. But that one hasn't happened yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it does in the future, though. Yeah, we've had... He We've is, had some talks. He is the Wicked Witch of the West because that's where his shoes are. <laughs> Everywhere under so, things. So we have a bench under, like right by our front door. It's And underneath it, I always like just put the toes underneath the bench and pull my feet out of my shoes mm-hmm. and just leave them there so people don't trip on them. And Lori's like, what are you doing? All oh, the time. Marriage. She wants them in the closet, uh-huh. you know, but not, it doesn't matter if they're in the, the rack in the closet. Okay. Um, we're weird. <laughs> Anyway. So, Steve, <laughs> about you. I was just thinking about, you know, it's just an interesting... What was your life? ...sort of misparallel thing because, you know, yeah. you've got the dishwasher. Right. And But then the shoes. Anyway. I know. It is. Mm-hmm. It, we all have our... That is marriage for sure. It is marriage. Oh, yeah. What was cute once is not cute anymore. <laughs> so, Steve, we're super excited to hear your story and just to hear how um, just brokenness, belovedness, finding Mm. Jesus in those places of your heart um, have played out in your life. So thank you for your vulnerability coming on here and for sharing this. You, you know, way back in episode one, you didn't even have a mic. That's true. And you thought you were just going to be mixing stuff. And now here you are. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know what I was signing up for. No, you didn't, (laughs) did (laughs) you? So thank you. And um, we're really glad that you're you're here. Mm. So... Steve, how has gospel worked itself out in your life um, beginning? I don't know. I guess that's the beginning. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's just quite a journey. A lot of years we're talking here. Yeah. Um, and I will try to just keep it to highlights. Yes. Uh, but I would say on the surface, you know, just for my youth, my uh, as a kid growing up, I was in a Christian home, you know, pretty conservative. I spent uh, most of my school years going to a Christian school, hmm. again, pretty conservative. And uh, I would say, you know, I was probably a good kid on the surface and I kind of knew, you know, what was expected in terms of family, church, school, and tried to, at least on the surface, uh, abide and, and, and not make too many waves. Right. Um, what do you believe about God in that time? Well, I think, yeah, in that time, I um, was familiarized with 
the gospel, salvation, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, what that meant to me, I think as a kid was, you know, I get out of hell. Yeah, you know, right. Get um, out of hell free card. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that I maybe at some point also had a hope that some of the stuff that I didn't like about myself. Yeah behavioral stuff, my mm-hmm. sin, mm-hmm. Um, would go away. Like there was a promise that, you know, we're told uh, Jesus saves us from our sin, Huh? you know? And mm-hmm. so I kind of felt like I was, had this expectation of having my house cleaned. So like literally sanctified, like yes. you wouldn't sin anymore. Right. Or just do kind of. sins. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think it didn't take long for me to become sort of disillusioned as it's felt like, okay, things aren't changing here. And in fact, I was mm-hmm. so young. I mean, I, I was six at the time, you know, when I prayed the sinner's prayer, there was still a lot of stuff that was going to come my way right. in terms of um, a little bit of abuse, victimization, exposure to porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in the seventies, I think parents didn't really know what you need to prepare your kids for. Um, And there was not the internet, but uh, there was a sexual revolution going on at that Mm -hmm. time. And uh, so, you know, so I... I Wait, real quick. In that time, did you have any like sit down explanations of things that happened or like, was it just stuff happened and you saw stuff and it was just try and figure it out? Right. No, it was uh, very much... um, kept below the surface. So I kind of gave you the surface view and now I'm getting a little below the surface. Um, and so yeah, no, no conversations ever happened. Mm. Um, and I think my, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus, but you know, they just, there was nothing ever discussed, you know, no, none of the like difficult conversations Mm -hmm. that you want to have with your kid. And I'm their first kid. And I think probably it came along so at such a young age, yeah. I think they probably didn't realize, oh man, you got to talk about this with a, you know, with an eight year old, with a third grader. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very much left on my own to process that. Yeah. Um, and I did have, you know, kind of a fascination with, you know, human sexuality. I mean, mm-hmm. I had um, sisters born after me. And so you're kind of like, how is, you know, the birds and the bees stuff, you know, right, and there's right. differences there. And so I was fascinated, but didn't feel safe to, you know, to ask, hmm. you know, so I was kind of left on my own to figure it out. And I had some pretty weird ideas. And, hmm. um, and I think that, you know, my early exposure to porn really kind of like came at a crucial time in all of that processing. Mm-hmm. Totally. How old were you when that happened? That I was eight. You were eight. Yeah. Okay. So yep. in the midst of all this questioning, all of a sudden. And extreme wounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you're seeing this mm-hmm. and, it's in your, and it's all silent. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So I, I never processed it. I had a fascination. I uh, tried to find answers. I mean, I'm grateful that we didn't have the internet at the right, time, you know, right. but it still is something that will just kind of like, you'll stumble across it as a kid, mm-hmm. just out, whatever. So... At some point, it did become more of seeking it out and mm-hmm. more of a habitual thing. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all the way through high school and college and 
um, Christian schools all this time and ending up, you know, working in a ministry setting. It was a very kind of, it just split my personality. It just kind of, I became Mm -hmm. very sort of dualistic. Mm -hmm. There was the person I presented and then there was a person that I really felt like I was, Mm -hmm. you know, internally. And, um, so when I, when I met my wife, uh, I'm very, very grateful that God provided me with the wife that I have because um, she has some um, wounding in a similar way in her past. Mm. And so she kind of understood, you know, like when we were dating and we were like seriously dating, talking about getting married, we talked about, you know, my past. And she was very, um, there was a lot of grace there, there was a lot of understanding, and mm-hmm. I had empathy. And so that was um, a positive experience. But I, w- I did not feel safe to talk about like the current struggle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was, um, it was very much kind of in that context. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyway. Wait, did you, was she the first person you told or really talked to about all the victimization? Yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I'm in my 20s at that point. How did that feel to be received by someone with like such grace? Um, Well, I think I already knew from my experience of getting to know her that it was going to be pretty safe. I mean, I I think I just felt like this is just the next thing um, as we talk about our stories and talk about you know, our past and, and what we come from. So it didn't feel like a huge risk. Okay. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. But I think looking back, I now kind of know it could have been, I mean, she mm-hmm. could have gone, this is way too heavy. I can't deal. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that that sort of locked it in like, okay, yeah, this is somebody that I can spend the rest of my life with. Mm. And I think that I did have this idealistic thing that you often hear about where um, once I get married, then yep. this stuff will go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I, I, and I prayed a lot. I, I should add that all through my, you know, youth growing up, I prayed, God, take this away, take right. this away. Right. Um, and so I think that I kind of thought, yeah, once we actually get, you know, past the wedding, mm-hmm. that'll be, taken care of. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't because it was becoming a coping thing because, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of shame when you, when you've got this secret life. And one of the ways that I think I would medicate myself was, you know, returning to it kind of like what you were telling us about in your story, Matt, you know, it became emotional Tylenol, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I really liked that kind of word picture um, because that is something that is both the source and kind of the medication for the same yeah. thing, you know? Yep. And so it's, it's weird the way it feeds on itself. Yeah. Um, but anyway, once I was into marriage and then the internet comes along, you know, not long after it just became more of a source um, for that medication. Mm. And um, you know, so deeper, hiding deeper shame and depression because now, you know, I've got this person I'm living with, uh, this person who I'm intimate with. Mm -hmm. You can't hide from a person, you know, in that setting. Takes more effort. Right. And more hiding and more shame. Shame Right. Be doubled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and getting rid of it. I mean, coming out of that hiddenness affects more than just you. There's more at stake than, than just 
your own personal right. life, all of a sudden it's like my actions are affecting yeah. more than just me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Because, you know, once you're in a covenant relationship, right. you know, mm-hmm. you're now breaking that covenant, right. you know, where before she could have rejected me. Mm-hmm. Um, now she actually has grounds in a sense, you mm-hmm. know, to, at least that was kind of my self-talk. So, oh. so anyway, so that just keeps it hidden. And I went through a great deal of uh, depression and just even like doubting and questioning God and his goodness mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff where I saw God as kind of distant yep. at best, yep. you know, and maybe even angry at me right. when I was all the way from being a kid. Uh, now I'm like, I've been praying, God, I've been asking, I, I feel like this is something you should want, a prayer you should want to answer, and yet mm-hmm. it's still here. What was your prayer? My prayer was, take this away, make the me that I present to the world the real me. Oh, man, I'm like getting emotional, because I can resonate with that at so many levels, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Matt, you yeah, can. I can too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a longing to to be that what you're pretending to be. Right. And and then just also this deep knowledge that I am not. Right. And Ugh. and that if you're if you're seeing yourself as having to be, you know, up here, ministry guy, whatever, yeah. or girl, um, and and knowing deep down that I am far from what people think I am. Yeah. And it, it causes so much more shame, which mm. causes so much more hiding. And right. it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, exactly. And so then what happened? Well, so then what happened is um, we, you know, we went to counseling because of the depression and met with a guy who wasn't at the time, but is now one of our pastors. Great mm. guy. Mm. But I wasn't ready. Like to I, go to say it all. You weren't right. Ready. Okay. Right. Yep. So I just kind of we talked about some of the surface, you know, stuff that was being manifested, like in our marriage, and just mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I think you're probably depressed, and um, gave right. me some good tools, but you know, I, I was not ready to really expose what mm-hmm. was really the source of it. You you're know, at the like emotional maintenance yes. level, right? Mm-hmm. But weren't really getting at the wounding. You weren't right. really getting at. Yeah, any of that. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. So anyway, I will jump to um, 2000 when uh, my wife found stuff on the computer. Mm. And so it just all blew wide open. Mm-hmm. Yep. And at the time we had kids and she goes, you know what we went through as kids. Yeah. We got to protect our kids, our kids from mm-hmm. this. Yep. And so it wasn't so much like a how could you, but like she's like. I just got to put boundaries up here and she didn't like threaten to divorce me or anything like that. But she said, you've got to make a decision. Do you want, what kind of a life do you want here? Wow. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, I mean, like I could have, um, canned the marriage the family life and just gone and done my own thing at that point. I pretty much had, you know, open door to do that, but something, I think it was actually the Holy spirit who I, you know, not talked to or heard from in a long time. Mm hmm saying don't go wow um so i said i i i want to do whatever i've got to do i just don't know how to do it and i'm afraid that mm-hmm. it's, that nothing's going to work um and so we talked and we prayed and i um started talking to a friend who was a coworker at the time mm-hmm. in fact he was my supervisor mm. so that was risky mm-hmm. but i felt like maybe he'd be a good person to talk to. And I said, could we have some kind of accountability? Mm. And he was like, you know, I need that 
I need that. Right. And he didn't know at the time why I was asking for it, but he did the first time, like when he said, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Then I, you know, yeah. let him hear everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he, um, stayed with me. He didn't reject me. Mm. Uh, and what, what did staying with you, like almost visually look like what it looked like was caring eyes, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who just had an empathy and, I didn't sense a, whoa, you know. Too much. Right, right. So that was very healing, just that. And then he said, you know, he said, I've got stuff too. Mm. Um, let me lay that out. Wow. Here's where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. you know. And so we've, I found I, I had always had this assumption that I'm the worst guy in the room. Yes. You know, that mm-hmm. was just kind of like something I just always believed about myself. Mm-hmm. No matter what room I walk into, I'm the worst guy here. Uh, and he was like, you know, we've all like you guys always say yeah. we all sin. Yeah. All fall short. All our love. Is that right. Satan's like favorite lie? You're the worst one well, in the room. I feel like he's got this strategy. You're the best or you're the worst. It is. It's, it's like, go ahead. You know, when in the tempting stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to make it, you know, yes. it, doesn't, oh, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Totally. It's not, and then just right on the other side oh, yeah. of it. What did you do? No. How dare you? Yeah. So true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a breath. Yep. So anyway, Andrew and I talked through this and he said, you know, I think we could both use somebody with maybe a little more wisdom, a little more counsel. He's like, I'm willing to do this, but I don't know what it's really looks like. Mm. And so I said, I got an idea of somebody. And it was the guy that I had gone to for counseling who was now on staff at my church. And I said, Hey, friend of mine and I are doing this thing and I know you're busy and we are going to meet every week. That was like what it had to be at that point. You know, oh, we just yeah. have to be very intentional about it. Yep. Um, but so if you could come like once a month or whatever, he's like, oh, I'll be there every week if you'll have me. And I was like, really? Wow. Hmm. And um, so that was huge. So me and Andrew and Gary. Um, and uh, that was a huge turning point uh, for me. One of the things that came out in those early meetings was this belief that God hated my sin and I could not separate myself from my sin. So mm. I just had this belief, God hates me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Gary said, Steve, God hates your sin because of how much he loves you. Mm-hmm. He's like, he loves you, you know, infinitely more than any hatred he has for your sin. It's just, he wants to get the sin out of the way. Yes. It's what's coming in between you. That's it. And um, that really, really opened my eyes a lot to this true gospel. We mm-hmm. cannot hug God and our idols at the same time. Right, right. But he it, wants to hug us. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. So I realized at some point God is answering the prayer. I have been pushing away how he wants to answer this prayer, which is expose it. I've got to expose it, mm. this sin. I, I, mm-hmm. He's not going to answer it behind closed doors. Right. In a sense, you know. Right. Yeah. And so... That was a huge turning point, and there have been ups and downs, highs and lows. I still struggle mm-hmm. with empathy myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I often, if we struggle, it is at that level. It's me. It's her believing that I care, mm. um, and me believing that I actually have anything to offer, mm-hmm. and still having shame issues. Um, and so we're not like out of the woods, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you said. Uh, when you were telling your story, Lori, like mm-hmm. cue the Disney music, yeah, you know, right. I've got 
people in my life and controls in my life, but mm-hmm. I still have to return to the heart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kelly says, I think you struggle to um, lament. I think mm-hmm. that you struggle to actually care for your own heart and your own, you know, um, healing. And that's mm-hmm. why sometimes you can come across as stoic and, and mm-hmm. not, you know, empathize with other people, even, especially those most close to you. That's what she mm-hmm. says to me. So. Wow, Steve. I just, what I'm hearing in this last like chunk that you're saying right now is like when you mentioned the core need to belong and Mm -hmm. like how Mm -hmm. that was so critical and I can relate to that. So many people can relate to that. But what I'm hearing and even like how you just said, I I needed to come out (laughs) of hiding and into relationship and authenticity with other people. And that was Mm -hmm. like, a, like confess your sins one to another, forgive each other, yeah. and be saved. Like you were, that was getting the sin off, but mm. it was also meeting that need in your heart to belong. Like mm. you weren't the worst guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Like there were others with you yeah. and, and like getting that need to belong, I'm sure help. And I just wanted to ask you, because I know this is true for Matt and it can be true for me too, is like in those moments when Matt and I feel distant and I'll ask him like, what do you need right now? And he, uh, it is often like that sense of camaraderie with other bros. Mm. Like his struggle with lust can increase when he has a lo- like a feeling of needing to belong. Is that the same for you? And have you found like hanging with bros can sometimes like, it, it's not like you're attracted to the guys, but it's just like you, it's meeting a heart need. Like somehow mm. you th- we think like these mm-hmm. sexual like this pornography is going to help us belong more when actually it isolates us more. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that the same for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that I have this tug of war going on inside me. A lot of times there's something in me that wants to retreat, wants to go be by myself, be alone. Mm -hmm. And, um, I sort of die inside when I do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's comfortable and it's safe, but yeah. it never actually meets what you're looking for. Right. Mm. And I think I have this initial, at the same time, fear and desire to mm-hmm. move toward people. Yeah. Um, and I'm always glad when I did. Yep. But mm-hmm. initially, it's difficult for some reason. It's probably because of lies that I'm believing about myself. Totally. You know, and so if I'm isolating if I'm in a pattern of isolating, then not good things are going on probably, yeah. even if it's just like a, a darkness and a depression that sort of sets in. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it can't last for very long without yeah. going to bad places. Totally. Because no matter how much we try and numb out those needs in our heart, you can't ever numb numb them mm-hmm. enough. Right. You can't ever isolate enough. You can't coping mechanism your way out of these needs in our heart, they have to get met. And the way we need to do that is in God glorifying ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a speaker one time say, we have these desires and it's just a matter of what we do with them. We can Mm -hmm. either deny we have them. We can try to get them met through relationships. Yep. Um, and we can try to get them met through accomplishment, achievement, you know, or we can actually go to God with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think my, Natural tendency is to to deny I have them. I try right. mm-hmm. to act as if I don't yeah. have desire and, and core needs. Um, and I always get in trouble when I do that. There's like 25,000 good things and good questions we could ask. Um, but just so next week you. is going to be part two. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Steve, just thank you for your yeah, courage. Thank you. And just sure. for yeah. sharing your story and like um, 
not walking in shame and not letting the enemy just like grate you into the ground and like just have you go to a catatonic state even when you're sharing your story. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just want to speak to you as I speak to like a lot of clients that we meet with is like after they share something hard, um, you get kind of the Brene Brown uh vulnerability hangover okay (laughs) which i would just say it is more like the enemy just saying what are you it's that whole reverse it's like god just empowered you to share this which Mm -hmm. touched my heart's crying you know and i'm sure will touch the hearts of others but just um to not allow the enemy to just take your face and be like what you do but just to look at the king who just Mm. loves you like crazy um and I would say that to anyone who's listening right now and you're just debating, like, do I come out with whatever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steve doesn't struggle like I do, but he needed to come out and come forward with mm-hmm. what was going on in his secret places of his heart. And so did Matt. And the enemy wants to keep us shut down and silent and say, like, nope, they'll never love mm-hmm. you. But man, you we all have stories here of freedom of when we came mm-hmm. into community mm-hmm. and when... um God showed his face through that community. So that's going to be our question of the week this week is when have you come out for lack of a better term? When have you come forward into a place of community and when were you received well? Because next week we're going to be talking about, you know, the othering, some of the times we aren't received well, perhaps Mm -hmm. in the church, but when was the time you listeners were received well when you came forward with something deep and vulnerable and so we want to hear from you. So in order to follow up with that, uh, you can email us at podcast at himhministries.com. And you can find us, like us, look us up and give us a good review, please, only. <laughs> um, no, you can, you can be honest if you don't like us. But again, all those, go to Matt at himhministries. <laughs> Check out. Sorry, honey. Uh, I haven't gotten one yet. Of course, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Once they go live. Um, but we're so glad. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Learn more at himhministries.com.